what's up, everybody? Adam Nitty here. I've got the amazing Scott Bernard with me today. He uh, he's another player that I was so fortunate to have guest appear on my new record, "The World Is Loud." And Scott and I have been working together for for many years. We've been friends for for even longer. Scott's one of the very first people that um, was. Uh, in some of the, the musical projects and, and tours that I was doing when I first moved to, to Nashville. And was it, is the Mark Schultz tour the first thing we did together? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, that yeah. was it. But um, in, in uh, most recent years, we've been playing together in Kenny Loggins' band. And, and um, Scott is, Scott's like the quintessential guitarist guitarist he's he's a master of of tone he's a master of of vibe style he's 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 amazing and um scott played on four of the songs on the world is loud um you played on the world is loud you played on the title track you played on yeah. the locust you played on both truth seekers um there's there's actually two versions of that that's another bit of trivia for another interview and you played on Broken Dreams. And yeah. um, you were, Scott, you were the guitar player that basically came in to rescue the songs from my guitar playing. That's essentially what you did. <laughs> so you, you, you redeemed. <laughs> there, was, there wasn't a whole lot of fixing. Nothing needs to be done. I just came to deck. But I did but, no fixing. I decorated yeah. Well, you don't even have to fix your parts. My my parts are another story. This this album it was probably strange for you to even hear this, but this album was one where I had I started the writing process on a guitar, not as a guitarist because I'm not a guitar player by by trade. I'm a guitar poser, but I um, I'm a guitar poser by trade. <laughs> no, not at all. But the more time <laughs> I, I invested in in the parts. Um, the more they were tracked, right? I was, I was, you know, this process, sometimes you're experimenting with things and, and you put it down and, and then, you know, months later, I'm sitting here with these guitar parts that I'd worked on for a long time. And I ended up, ended up keeping them, but, um, that wasn't the original intention, but it, it, it kind of, this record, a lot of things, the way they happened was not the original in, intention. So many, so many things we'll, we'll talk about later, but. I remember the first song you sent to me, you said, hey man, uh, these track, guitar tracks, you need to fix these. And I'm like, why? They sound great. Well. So I just added solos on top of your great playing. Well, awesome. thanks man. And, and um, I, of course, I was shocked even that, that you would say that back then, but, you know, in full transparency, you know, these, th these, these are parts that probably would have taken you two seconds and they took me two months to, to do, but, but I mean, I, I'm really curious and I'm almost scared to know the, the answer, but, you know, you're, you're uh, an amazing guitar player. And then you have this bass player sending you these, these tunes to play on with, you know, a lot of the rhythm guitar parts already done. Right. Is that weird to, cause, and so for those of you who don't know already, Scott, he, um, Scott played these amazing guitar solos on these, on these four songs. And actually on, on Truth Seeker, on one of the songs, he played all the guitar parts that that's all him. But, um, but was that, were you kind of like, okay, this, this is weird. Why, how am I, he's got, these no, guitar I, parts I treated it like a session 
where I was getting a call to just play a solo over a track and it wasn't weird at all. I mean, the feel of the guitars were great. Wasn't anything odd about it. It was awesome. Do you find that, thank you. Do, do you find that um, when you are, cause, and I'm, and forgive me, cause I'm, I'm super nerdy and fascinated by this because one of the things as a player, and especially as I've gotten older, you know, it's less about practicing technique and facility. It's more about just um, communicating, you know, through the instrument and, and what I, what I study and what I, what I try to learn a lot of times is coming from trying to get inside the head of another musician. And when I listen to you play, it's, you're, Scott is Scott's one of those players where you don't hear him play the same thing twice essentially when he when he when he plays a a guitar guitar solo or something like that it's like it, it really you can tell it really is something that's that's flowing in real time it's it's spontaneous it's it's very very real that's not something that everybody can do so when you're playing like a session like you describe and you're laying a solo down how how influenced are you by by what you're hearing on guitar already? Do you feel like you need to try and complement the feel of what's there? Or do you, do you take the approach of, I'm going to put my voice in to this? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's your... Yeah. Well, my vo hopefully my voice is always heard, but I, uh, when, I, when I go to play on a song, even if it's just rhythm or whatever, but in, in your case... Uh, I listen to the song and I mean, every, I'm sure every session guy does this every, you go and like, what, what kind of mood is already on the track? You know what I mean? I want to create that same mood that's happening. And um, sometimes you listen to like certain, um, uh, the cadence of the way the song is or certain uh, syncopation things throughout the song. I mean, I do this anyway. And sometimes I bring, bring that stuff into the solo as well. Just, just to, uh, just so when I can't explain it. it, it's just, you know, if you're painting in blue and reds and greens, then I'm going to kind of paint in blue and reds and greens too, but I'm going to, I'm going to do my own thing with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And, uh, and the cool thing is you, uh, you know, in Nashville, we do a lot of sessions that are like pop country pop, you know, a lot of worship stuff. Mm -hmm. So to play this kind of stuff is a treat. Yeah. I don't do a whole lot of it, you know? Uh, yeah. I don't do a whole lot of prog sessions, which, you know, you and me know, we both grew up on prog stuff. Yeah, man. You know, I, talk I about your, who did you talk about your influences in that way? Cause you know, for me, I, I had a, um, the, the interview before this was with Keith Carlock. We were both talking about the huge influence that, that Rush had on us, you know, as Absolutely. young players. Were you as big a Rush fan? As, as oh, yeah, you? man. I, I first heard uh, All the World's a Stage at a friend's garage. We, we uh, was, you know, I was probably 10. We we're, were in a band and uh, a friend of his brought over all the world's a stage and we were just like all looking at it like oh my gosh you know and so from then on i've, I've been a rush fan uh i'm big i'm a huge kansas fan yeah um yeah we were we were talking about kansas too and i told keith how um 
the very first song I ever learned on bass was was Carry On Wayward Son, which yeah, you told me that. Yeah, it made it was like this instant. I had this instant uh, attraction to the music of of Kansas because man, there's so many elements that were that were were amazing. They're incredible vocals, right? In, incredible. Right. Um, Incredible arrangements. arrangements. One of the things sure. that was so cool about Kansas, there was there was um, there was almost like an epic kind of nature to to so oh, many of their it songs. Was very, it wasn't very just dramatic. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. So good. I think the best side of a record, if we're talking in records, you know, yep. is the second side of Left Overture, oh, which is the out. And it's you know, it's one, it's one. Well, there's a it's almost just one long song, you know, and uh, uh, it's that record. I remember as a kid laying down, you know, back in the day where you put a record on and you go to sleep, you know, and we listened to that side over and over. Uh, um, it, it was just so there's so much there. It was the first time I heard that kind of music where it's kind of there's kind of classical elements mm -hmm. and and uh, and. Before Kansas, I don't think I ever heard a guitar playing along with the bass line. Yeah, they, they did yeah. that a lot, and that that's that left overture is like their record. That's the my favorite record. That's a great point. I didn't think about that. The whole. I mean, group. maybe like bands like, uh, uh, um, maybe Jethro Tull did that. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm probably, but I mean, the first time I heard it or yeah. noticed it where it's like a unison line. Yeah. That's the first time I heard that. Yeah, in my mind, like I'm thinking of Kansas, which I hadn't thought about before and, and Led Zeppelin, there was there was some of that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Who I was but also- a different listening. level of it though with Kansas. It yeah. was very, it was, you know, Kansas was very put together, you yeah. know, and very, um, but yeah, I think to me, that's the first time it wasn't just a rock guitar over you know the bass player playing his bass line or whatever what is it about unison lines that creates so much drama in that moment i mean because it's what is unison lines they, they like pull you in and when the bass player stands up with the guitarist and they're both playing there's intensity like, there it's it, so it intense. yeah it's yeah. i love that stuff so much that um you know I, i've incorporated that in, into my music you know, many times, but yeah, you're, you're so right that they were right. another band that, that did that. Who else was kind of, who was well, I mean, the regular going down, Well, I am, well, you know this, I'm a big Beatle fan. Oh yeah. And um, so melodies and stuff really jump out to me. And it, it's just, I, I'm a huge McCartney fan, his stuff after the Beatles as well. And uh, all that I'm a big fan of that yeah, that 70s AM radio stuff, you know, Badfinger and um, stuff like that, you know. Um, also, and you and I both talked about this all the time, Boston, oh, the yeah. arena rock stuff from the 70s. And um, I mean, shoot, uh, Foreigner. Yeah. Boston, yeah. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. All that group six, all that group of, of, of musicians. That's that's what I cut my teeth on, man, yeah. you know. And um so yeah, that that all kind of adds to the gumbo. Yeah. Of, oh. of what you're playing is. Hey, gumbo. All right. Coming from the <laughs> Louisiana. The Louisiana. I got to throw it in there, man. I love the analogy. <laughs> um, me and you are both total vinyl heads now, and yeah. um, and it's fun. 
And as, totally. as big a final vinyl addict as I am, I, I think you're on a whole nother level to the point of people, um, people have, have written uh, novels uh, about your dedication to vinyl and, and <laughs> it's, you're known guess, the world. <laughs> I don't know if, I'm not that, I mean, I know some guys that are vinyl, like just, man, you know, go, go to Spinner's record shop, you know what I mean? Yeah. Talk to Matt, talk to Pat over there. Yeah, Those but guys, what I was going to say- They know it. way more than I do about vinyl. No, but, but what I was going to say is, is you, is um, the, the thing about it is that, and, and we both relate to this, the uh, part of the, the, ex, the excitement and fun about getting back into vinyl whenever we did was the, not just the, enjoyment of listening to the vinyl and flipping the record all that but the nostalgia of it and now you know you're talking yeah. about your 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 band influences and your musical influences for me like my vinyl collection is mostly consisting of things that i was totally crazy about back in the day when i was coming up as a musician and i loved listening to um right and and it's man it's been magical in a in a way to to listen to those records again and hear completely different things with more right. mature, you know, ears. Yeah, absolutely. You feel that way? Right. It's, it's, I mean, you know, it, it goes, it goes the other way too, where you, you can't wait to find vinyl, this record that you loved as a kid and you put it on and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is horrible. <laughs> There's a couple of those, right? You get surprised like, every once in a while. I've, I've right. certainly, we've talked about those those records before. Yeah. I won't they'll be, they'll show remain, not offend. Uh, being, uh, nameless at this point. Yeah, totally, totally. But yeah, they're, but it, they're going it's, back. It's, on years change, but, but the stuff that really, and I, most of those records that are like, ugh, they weren't your influences. They were just records you bought. You saw at a record store, yeah. you know, and they might've had a, a song on the radio. But the ones that you that are in you, that's the ones that you find, you buy, and you put it on. And it's it's just it's very nostalgic. It slows you down because today's does. so fast. The I world's so I, loud. Oh, I love that about it for sure. The world's so loud now. <laughs> Thank no, you. Thank you. I mean, you just if I if I didn't say that twice, you wouldn't even got it. Yeah, I think but I got anyway, my it's first. True, I got my it's first so sale just now because you said that maybe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what I do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you've got, so loud. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Say that again. No, the world's so loud. And, yeah, it is. Um, say the it locusts. There's locusts. And... <laughs> You're sitting in front of some um, pretty attractive looking gear there. And so I have to assume this is maybe where you track your guitars in this same room. Yeah. Um, Man, what um, what's your favorite? Like when you're doing your thing, what what do you typically what do you gravitate towards gear wise? What do you like to play through the most? That guitar is my number one. Am I pointing to it? The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And and what that, guitar is that? That's a Milan song. Um, uh, uh, T T style T model, I guess they uh, they call it. Um, and uh, I love that guitar. That other, I don't know. If, I don't know what you see in here. I can see. You see yeah. a strat there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can even see that, a half the acoustic. Yeah. So that's another Melanson build. In fact, Melanson. That's uh, 
That's the last Melanson built. The last one that uh, Ger- uh, rest in peace, mm. Gerard built and he touched and it's a special guitar and it's yeah. wonderful. Gosh, that is so yeah. amazing you have that. This guitar here is my first guitar. No way. Ever. Yeah, it's a Gibson Murata. It was the one that Paul Stanley uh, would break on. Uh, <laughs> is that true? So yeah, yeah. He would. He. They, it was Gibson's first like cheap bolt-on neck guitar. Yeah. And he would take them out and break them on uh, uh, rock and roll all night. And uh, yeah, man. So that was my first guitar, and I sold it and I got it back. And um, then I painted. I put some Brian May pickups and electronics in it, and uh, I use it for cool things. Cool, cool. So yeah. those are your main tracking instruments, then? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Duesenberg I use a lot. Oh, cool. It's in a case, though, but I use the oh. Duesenberg quite a bit. That's cool. a special guitar as well. And, um, yeah. yeah. Is there any, um, the uh, just kind of playing into my nerdy curiosity even more, like, is from a recording perspective with guitars, you know. I was in a band called Nerdy Curiosity, by Is the way, that right? In high school. In high school. <laughs> <laughs> does the the process for for you um and other session gu- guitar players you guys work a lot harder than i do because <laughs> usually i i, I track well, yeah. my parts with the with the drummer and the and the producer says okay we're good and then and then yeah, you, bye okay now we're gonna work on yeah and then parts. they get you a hotel room and you have to stay <laughs> for a few days and play your yeah. stuff afterwards um yeah what I do kind of I do kind of uh, envy you guys that just have one track to do. Yeah, it's you guys do a lot guitars. I guess guitars just rule because you're you lay down so many different different parts together. Do you like the whole concept of having a million guitars in a track, or do you prefer doing stuff that's more minimalistic and it's just like? This is the guitar part. It's one part straight. I, I like both, actually. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's because I like, I like uh, songwriter music, and I like prog music. Yep. And everything in between. So I like layered guitars and and parts, but I also like James Taylor, you know, and uh, you know Billy Joel, and Billy Joel's music had, you know one or two guitar parts, you know, so full of keys, but, or, you know, I, I like it. I like it all. And, and a lot of it appeals to me. So I like, I like a song where it's just, you know, like Van Halen's early stuff, guitars over here in the right channel. And, uh, um, yeah, that's super huge separation. of Sorry. Right. Right. Yeah. You're right. Stage. Right. Yeah. 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 And, um, so yeah, man, I, it was just one guitar and even his solos were, just on that track and barely the first record only uh i forgot what tune one tune had a rhythm on it but yeah so i dig that as well i like hearing a guitar alone in the track because you can hear the tone of it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and when you have a bunch of guitars you it you don't have to nail tone when there's 20 guitars you know yeah you know what i mean yeah. Like when it's alone in the track, you have to nail everything about it tone wise, you know, Yeah. the, the pack and everything. So there's, there's a, it both appeal to me. Right. I mean, you know, you are, you are known um, 
as a complete, you know, tone meister amongst those who, who know you're playing and, and who, and who hire you is, um, how do you get your tone? <laughs> it's, it's seriously though, whether you're playing through a plugin or you're playing through your, your awesome, you know, expensive, valuable amps, right. your tone always sounds good. I mean, it, it's, it's become almost cliche to say, oh, the tone's in your hands, but that's a real thing, right? I mean, it's a, it's, it's a very real thing. I, you know, I, it is super cliche, but I mean, um, can you talk about that? The specifics of that? Cause that, that's a really heavy thing. It, it, it has a lot. It has a lot to do with how you touch the string, how you pull off of the string, how you pick, how hard you pick, how soft you pick. Sometimes you want to pick with uh, the hybrid picking because it sounds differently than the pick. Sometimes you want to do something with your thumb because it sounds, there's just so many different, it's all the attack, right? You, you hit hard with the pick. Sometimes you want that raking. Sometimes you just want one string. Um, uh, sometimes you play a chord and you vibrato the whole chord. At, you know what I mean? Sometimes you don't. And, and all that is, is the mix, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's that's why Eddie Van Halen will probably sound the same through like go basement like that or or a plug-in. I don't I don't know, man. It, it's it's an interesting thing, right? Yeah, it really is fascinating because there there's so many players that are always like it's it's that it's that quest for the holy grail in terms of like the gear that they to to get to get the great sounds and all of that but then you know you 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 listen to a great player like yourself and you you ab them playing through this piece of gear which may be really inexpensive and then this piece of gear which costs a fortune and it really doesn't sound that different it still sounds like you that's it's it's the it, it's an I don't know to me it's a really fascinating phenomenon and it and I think it I remember when when I was coming up as a bass player and I, I didn't really know much about getting tone it was for me I was I was hearing my immature ears I was listening more just to the notes can I play mm -hmm. the notes right sure yeah and it wasn't until later that I started to really appreciate this feels great partly because it sounds so so great. And once I started learning more about that, I realized how little it really had to do with um, me getting the perfect setting on my gear. It was, it was less about that. It was more about just using my gear to complement kind of what I was already doing. Is, right. That makes sense. But yeah, um, I mean, if you think of players like Getty Lee, you know, by the way, I said Getty. Yeah, man. I've, uh, I love that bass. I've got, uh, I've got one of those too. I think we have, yeah. Are both of our Gettys, I think, are actually around the same age. Yeah. Um, you would know probably more than I do about that. Those are, man, those are great, great basses. I just wanted a, a bass that I could play most styles with, you know, when I'm laying bass here yeah. and jazz bass kind of like is That's, man, my favorite all around bass is still the jazz bass. I just, yeah, I, it's, they're so versatile and, and great. Right. And uh, so I love it. Yeah. But if you listen to Getty Lee, man, you know, he doesn't, he slaps, right? You know more. Yeah, than there's, yeah, Getty, when he, when he, um, if I may be so so bold, he he might, you know, if he was here, he might correct the way I describe it, but he has more. I'll, of, I'll let him, I'll tell him to watch. Yeah, to, <laughs> he has more of a strike to, to, to how he plays as opposed yeah. to like a brushing, right? Right, yeah. So, 
And that's that's two very different ways to get a sound to, to you know so, to get a so sound. So if you're just learning his parts, playing, you know, you're never gonna nail it unless you get the front end of the note, right? You it's know, so true. The, or, the or you listen to a player, listen to a player like uh, one of my favorite players. I mean, I have a lot of favorites, right? But yeah, um, uh, uh, Robin Ford. It's really his. He's very touch sensitive the way he, so you can never really do any of his parts justice unless you're playing like him yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah and, um, great and um you know we've talked it all before. it's all about the touch the front end i think absolutely man we've we've talked before we've had conversations before on on the road um in our uh our coffee talks out on the yeah. road. back back when you could actually play music live <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, what's that yeah i know but scott and i i have the 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 great fortune of being able to to hang with with scott when, when we travel with with kenny Loggins, and and we do a lot of uh philosophizing and solving of the world's problems over coffee uh in the middle of the day but um but we've we've talked before uh, about tone and everything else. But I remember talking to you one time about uh, amounts of distortion and how getting like with your tone, it's. I remember being surprised. Like you use less overdrive, and forgive me if I'm using the wrong term, but you use less distortion or, or less overdrive than maybe I would have expected. To and you're still getting you know, incredible I, sustain. Do you remember us talking about that? Mm -hmm. I remember you find this with a lot of beginner guitar players. Their cleans are too clean, and their distortions are yeah. too distorted. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think the the more you play, the older you get, the more that narrows. And you don't want your cleans super clean. You want you want a hair on it, you know. And I run my amps fairly uh, like the clean is fairly hairy. But you know, I also if I absolutely need a clean, I back off on the volume pedal. You know, but my my base, the base B-A-S-E, not base, yeah, but yeah. base tone for my amps, you know, I'm running uh, those amps around like four, which is, or three or four, it depends on, you know, and these are like, all, like vintage Fender amps is pretty what, much. Scott, what are those amps specifically? What are, what do you got there? Can, can you see the, the piggyback one? Yeah. Uh, there that, well, that over there, I don't know if you see a Vox AC30. Oh no, the Vox isn't in, in frame, but. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that that Fender right there is it's a '65 Baseman in cabinet. Uh, that was my dad's. He bought it new That's to play so bass cool. through. And um, that's so awesome. And when my dad passed away, I I took the head. And my brother took the cabinet. And in the '80s, you know, we put carpet on and put selections in it and ruined the cabinet. And uh, but a few years ago, my brother said, "Man, I'm not using it." So here and. You know, so I took it back, uh, I stripped it, and then a uh, Tim Creek, a friend of mine, uh, uh, a really great tech pedal guy, really cool guy. He actually uh, re, uh, what do you call it? He um, recovered it, or it. Yeah, he recovered it and refurbished yeah. it, and uh, that is my godsend amp. And uh, this one here, you see that one? Yeah, the one. That's uh, essentially that's a '65 Deluxe Reverb, okay. but it's built by a guy named Bill Keck. So it's a Keck. He calls it a Super Lux 22, but it's oh. it's basically a, a, a 65 hand wire 65. Awesome. 
deluxe. And I use that on every gig in town, you know, unless it's huge, then I'll, I'll bring that. But, you know, but it, it depends on what kind of, you know, yeah. gig. It hey man, talk of what you hear people say all the time, you know, this is a hand wired amp or, or whatever. Tell, tell people what, what's the significance of that? Cause that that's, that's kind of a big deal, right? Man, that's kind of hard to explain. You know, they have some really, some amps that are not, I, I gravitate to those. Uh, I, I'm not techy enough to know the difference, uh, but I do know- Do they sound different or is it a quality? I think difference? they do. Really? There's some amps that are out there that sound really great, like the Rev stuff, Rev amps. They, I don't think that they're not, uh, I don't, they're not hand wired, but they, they really, they, they really go there. Um, um, and some other amps, you know, that are, that are PC board based or whatever you call it. And I'm, I'm not a tech, but, uh, man, just something about the sound of an amp that, you know, you plug it in and it's going to a wire, to another wire, to, to a cap. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. The, 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 um, the tone of it that I gravitate to, you That's know, and awesome. most, most players in town do, you know. Uh, I haven't really jumped on the Kemper thing yet. I know everybody's doing the Kemper thing. Yeah. But, man, I just like moving air with speakers. You know, like getting those speakers going. You know, what do you do when you're in a situation where you're you've got your amp and you the sound man's telling you you got to turn your amp down. Your you know your stage volume is too <laughs> loud. What do you do in that? And and I already know the answer to this question because we talked about <laughs> yeah. it. But but talk, talk to us about what you do because it's a it's 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 your tone that's being right. affected when the volume goes down on your amp. How do you deal with that? That's a big when, deal. When the sound guy asks me to lower it, yeah. You, well, what you do is you you punch him right in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. And then you get I, another I'm, gig and then Yeah. I'm I I try to be nice to the everyone involved with t loudness, you know, because I don't want to be loud for the sake of being loud. Right. I want my amps to sound like they're being pushed and um, a gentle offensive yeah yeah just yeah it's just a, a brushing of a yeah. <laughs> i um i turn my amps around i cover them if needed you know uh you know the 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 moving blankets are great master volume blankets that's what i call them because you can just throw them on top um yeah i mean that's kind of how i deal with it I, uh if it's a big enough stage um i always backfire my amps i'm i'm you know because the that and then I also cover the the back of the amp. So trying to just be nice to everybody. I don't want to be that guitar player that's yeah. playing so loud. But you got to push your amp, right? You know what I mean. And I mean that's the sound of rock and roll, right? You gotta <laughs> you gotta tell. <laughs> I was doing a gig with Chris Rodriguez one time, who, uh -huh. who I love, and I think he's an incredible musician, guitarist, oh, singer. Yeah. And uh, he had, <laughs> we we were playing a song and. Uh, we we it was that sound check and the, the his amp was really noisy and uh, he had some distortion pedals on and uh they said hey man uh chris what's why does your amp sound like that and chris they said what's that sound coming out of your amp he said it's the sound of rock and roll <laughs> <laughs> but it's true man it's that's yeah. the sound people want to go for is an amp that's that's pushed yeah and, yeah so, so, so I, 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 let me tell you this. Yeah. Um, 
we were doing that. We were doing. I don't know if you were, did. You play any of the symphony stuff with us in Nashville? No. Okay, that was before you. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, man, I was. You know, the symphony crowd is a different crowd. They're not used to, and and also the symphony hall here in Nashville is not made for loudness. You know what I mean? So, man, I am trying to be just uh, nice guy to everybody. Violin guys are right behind me, and man, I have my amp on one and a half. <laughs> we did three nights there. I had my amp on one and a half. <laughs> My tone was horrible. I couldn't, you couldn't push anything. You couldn't pull anything out of the amp, you know? Oh, no. and, uh, and and I was borrowing a friend of mine's uh, uh, Princeton, which is like 12 watts. Oh, gosh. And I'm not pushing that, you know? So I mean? in, in the world of Scott Bernard, you were very quiet. Yeah, I was really quiet. And yeah. But you got to push. So the first two nights, they were complaining it was too loud. God bless them. And um, I... The last night I just said, you know what? I'm not happy. They don't want me uh, any loud. They, they're not, they think I need to turn down. So I just finally put the amp where I needed to be and I had a good night. Yeah. And uh, oh, <laughs> so, man. you know, you apologize after. Right, right. But I also covered it. I did everything I could yeah. to keep it down. That's just a, a, to play with a symphony is a hard thing for an amp, for a guitar yeah. player, man. Because you. Yeah. Please tell the story of. I don't know. I don't even know what you're asking. But please tell the story of when we played. We did that show with Michael McDonald, and we were we were sound checking. <laughs> <laughs> please tell that story. Oh man! You, you so tell it's so funny. It was the first time I, I played with Michael Michael McDonald, and you know he he's coming in. It was a Kenny gig, right? And yeah, so, so just yeah, so for our, we we did the show. It was, a, it was two artists. Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins, and we were we we played with both of them. Yeah, so he came and opened the show with a few songs, and so Kenny's band played, and we we were tight, man. It sounded great, and we just you know like man, in that thing you want the artists you know to appreciate what you do, right? And man, you know we finished. Uh, I don't know what tune it was, whatever one of his hits were, and it was awesome. You know, we're all looking at each other like, man, it sounds really good. Man, it and did. You know, you're kind of expecting like him to turn around and go, man, this is, you guys are great. He turns around and looks at me and says, hey, Scott. I'm like, yeah, man, you know, uh, what do you need? <laughs> he goes, could you maybe like turn your amp that way? It's really hitting me in the ear. <laughs> I was crushed. Oh, my gosh. I, I will never forget that. If, I was if... expecting like, yeah, Scott, man sounded great right <laughs> could you just like could you cover it a little bit more yeah 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 that was, that was funny that was, that was and a- he is the nicest guy in the world you know so he doesn't oh he so could nice. not have been that's the yeah. thing about it too it's like it that really is a significant part of the story it's like he could not have been more polite about it i mean it was, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was incredible right and it was it was kind of wasn't it, it was kind of like an it was kind of a tent outdoor kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it was so, so I, massive. I was being, oh my gosh! I was being a little bit uh, 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 liberal with my um, amp covering, you know, because yeah. it was out. Sure. But it was just hitting him. He because he was sitting down. He sits down at the piano, right? Uh huh. It was just kind of hitting him right at the rung, you know. Right. You just His amps are so directional, control. right? You know what I mean? Like a speaker, it'll hit you. Yeah. Yeah. So what God a bless. Fun, what a fun gig that was, though. That was your first gig, so you. Had that was my first gig with you guys. 
Yeah, you had to learn at all of Kenny's stuff and yeah, all that. All Michael's stuff. Kudos to you. You did it. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that was uh, good times, man. Um, <laughs> remember those cool. days? Uh, yeah, remember back in the day when we played? <laughs> Speaking of that, man, this, you know, the, the, uh, this year has been what I call the great equalizer, right? No, no matter who you are and, and where you are in the, uh, on the ladder of, 